All right, hello everyone. Uh, thank you for staying with us. If you have stayed with us through part three of our story, you are a glutton for punishment or you are uh, really awesome family members, you know. So uh, either way, uh, we are glad that you're here. So, you know, get on that bike, go for that walk or lay back and uh, listen to our uh, third installment of our love story, The Engagement. Now, the engagements are... Uh, amazing things. This is a time when you are getting ready to be married. Uh, some engagements are short. Some engagements are long. Um, and during this time, this is when you are probably working on uh, yourself, working on bringing two lives together to be ready for marriage. And engagements can come with a lot of lot of great memories such as some really fun dates some really fun uh parties such as you know the bachelor party and the bachelorette party uh which we also got to talk about too here um and some really awesome family get-togethers but it can also be full of a lot of challenges you know me and my wife we we're the same. We had, I would say, a pretty normal engagement. And when I say normal engagement, that means that there were some ups, there were some downs, there were some challenges. And uh, I hope that as you guys hear our story, maybe you can relate. Maybe you can find some encouragement that you're not the only one going through certain things. And maybe you can find some encouragement that uh, um, engagements are only just a chapter in your love story. So, uh, least during our engagement, if you were to... Put our engagement on a scale of 1 to 10. I'd say 1 being, you know, why did I get married? And 10 being, this was the best time in my life. You know, I wish I could go back. Where would you rate it? Ooh, um, that's a tough one for me because when I think back on my engagement, I didn't, th- I hate to say it this way, but I didn't think of it fondly. We went through a lot of um, challenges, a lot of struggles in communication, um, a lot of challenges and struggles in family dynamics and how that worked in our relationship. Um, but I did enjoy being engaged to you. It was just, I when I think back on it, it was one of the hardest times of my life because I had expectations of what I thought a wedding should look like, and I know you had expectations or a lack of a better term because of money, um, didn't have much of an expectation. And I did because of all of the movies and um, shows that I would watch growing up. Um, a couple of them would be Father of the Bride. That was one of the big ones that was in my head. Um, it almost seems like our two different cultures of where we came from both from regional being from you being from the city me being from southern arizona uh um ethnic wise you mm-hmm. know you being on i would say the anglo persuasion and me more of the spicy latino persuasion um you know we came from those cultures now i'm pretty americanized as a latino to begin with right um you know so uh, there, you know, there was even that kind of mixed in there, but I think even how we were raised kind of led into these expectations. So you, you started explaining some of your expectations, mm-hmm. What you know, you said farther the bride, that kind of imagery, what other expectations right. did you have of the engagement and even of the wedding day? Cause we, I think we had fun in our dating and mm-hmm. when we weren't talking about the wedding engagement was great. Right. When we started having to plan and try to figure this out that's when the communication stuff. So what yeah. was, what was some of the expectations and communication struggles well, that you saw? I mean, thinking back on it now, I probably shouldn't have had as much expectation because I knew where my money was and where your money was. Um, but I really did want that, you know, go, you know, go to a church and get married and then go to a reception at a hotel. And if anyone out there that's engaged knows that's not cheap. Um, and so I was really struggling with that because I remember you're wanting to just have a reception at the church and that was just not something I wanted to do. Um, I had a really hard time with that. And I remember us having many discussions slash fights about it where you were like, I, we don't have the money. We should just get it done at the church, um, do the reception and, you know, have like a, 
I don't, I don't know if it's catered, but you know, have people cook for us and we'll just have that reception there. Well, I'm from Latino and Baptist roots. So basically it's just potluck. I was used to those types of receptions. People just brought and, and I tell you, if it was in my hometown, dude, we would have had quite a spread just from family bringing in food. Right. Um, but for me in my mind, for whatever reason, when I had pictured, cause I'm sure out there, all those, all the girls listening can, can relate to the fact that you have a picture in your head of what it's going to be like. And I already, and this will be something we'll talk about a little bit later, but I already wasn't going to be having my daddy walk me down the aisle or a very good chance of that because of just issues I was having at that time with my father. Um, and so to give up all of it for me was really hard. And I and it was a real struggle in being engaged. Now, we were only engaged for five and a half, six months. So it wasn't the end of the world. Um, but there were times where I was questioning, should I get married? Because I, we're, we're really struggling and we're really having a lot of miscommunication. Um, I don't think I struggled with whether we should get married. Mm-hmm. I think I struggled with the fact of I didn't have the means right. to give you what you wanted. And I think in a weird mach- machismo way was that my heart was breaking that I couldn't just say, well, here's a check. Just tell me when to show up. Right. To the fact that we had to start, we had to kind of figure this out. Now, I think well, looking back on it, as much as it sucked, I kind of really am thankful for that time because it really taught us to be resourceful, which we right. had to learn how to do for well, 15 years. And you were really good at it because I remember you got a book that was like how to do a cheap wedding. Yeah, I did. You That's found right. every single deal. Totally forgot I mean, about that. Um, yeah. If you looked at our wedding, you would probably have thought we spent probably about seven to 8000 Mm-hmm. But we actually spent closer to like three to four, and I think that was including your dress. Um, my mom bought the dress. That was one thing, was that she bought the dress. And she also, in the end, ended up helping, helping kind of to her detriment to her. Um, but she, she, at the last minute, ended up getting a wedding coordinator slash planner not quite but kind of and helped a little bit with the decoration i'm anyone that knows me knows i'm not that great of a decorator and not that i can't think of the word i guess creative uh, on things like that and so i remember my mom doing that for us which i appreciated um it really was a kind of a family kind of getting together, too, because your right. mom brought that part in. I, my family at the time, my parents were just freshly out of a divorce, so money wasn't really there for my family. But what they didn't have in money, they made up for in time. I mean, they were right. there trying, you know, helping decorating this, uh, you know, and I believe they spent money here or there to kind of fill in those gaps um, of of that. I know my brothers took care of the bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, my aunt, my aunt, who is just very creative, a very creative and very generous woman, um, you know, she came down and she actually set up our uh, wedding cake. Right. And made it real beautiful and real elegant. And we didn't have a traditional wedding cake. We had a cheesecake, actually, that we got and um, did for, at least for us. And I think it was the wedding party. We ended up getting Costco cakes for the rest of it. Yeah. So we were real creative. So we got like, we went to Cheesecake Factory and all these names I'm mentioning, we don't get any money from them. But hey, <laughs> it worked. Um, they uh, We got like a couple of cheesecakes and we had them on tiers. And then mm-hmm. we got one from the Cheesecake Factory. And we right. had, them, had it up. The other cheesecakes were from Costco. Mm-hmm. And then at the time, Costco used to do these half sheet cakes with cheesecake icing. Right. And so we, uh, um, um, that's what we served our guests. So right. we were actually able to figure out our wedding cake and our Costco cake probably for only a few hundred dollars. Yeah. And then um, when it came to the guests, we actually struggled because I know in weddings you want to do a dinner and you want to have, uh, you know, a, a nice meal. What we struggled with was the fact of, well, to have a nice meal, we would pretty much have to tell 60% of our guests right. not to come. And just didn't want to the do fact that. that we, you know, I was in youth ministry and I deal with a lot of kids who were poor kids and, um, um, just the church that we were in, we just, we both felt it was just prudent to saying, you know, we want everyone to show up. We want everyone to come. 
And that was something that we we did agree on, that we thought, you know, we wanted everyone to be able to come. We didn't want to have to de- exclude anyone. Um, and so we we chose the way we did, where I ended up, I had worked at a hotel um, a while back, and so I went in and said, hey, I know I'm not working here anymore, but is there any way we could get a deal? And we actually ended up getting a deal with um, the the wedding coordinator there, which was awesome. And they were really good about everything and helping us and stuff. Um, so we ended up doing hors d'oeuvres. Um, that's one thing that I wish we would have maybe, I think we did actually on our wedding, um, invite, but I think people had that expectation of a dinner and it didn't end up happening. So they were kind of like, Oh, well, that's a bummer. Um, but it was it was what we could afford and what we could do, and so that's what the we did. The weren't too bad. I mean, there were many yeah. chimichangas and chicken wings and vegetable platters right. and fruit platters, and it right. was. Uh, um, but I know. think we had so many people there that we ran out of food really quickly. Yeah, yeah, we did. We, <laughs> we did. weren't it expecting just, that. People got a snack, and that was about it. Yeah, so, so we felt bad about that, but you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and if I. But everyone was able to come. Right. And, and everybody was, was able good. to come and enjoy. And that's what, that was our biggest intent. The other thing that I remember us being very resourceful and doing before really anything ever happened on social media was we did a, um, a CD, a DVD of our wedding and like where to find stuff. And do you remember that? Yeah. So, you know, at the time, you know, this kind of dates when, when it was over yeah. 15 years ago, uh, we actually gave a CD-ROM that actually had documents on it of here's our invitation, here's the maps, here's where things going. And so the person had everything they needed uh, to do that. And, uh, you know, that Cause was... that was before the website, wedding websites that you see now where you can just go onto a website and find everything. We had to do it the old fashioned way and the, I guess, analog way would be a good way of putting it. Which was very, you know, high tech for its time. Yeah. But, you know, those were just the nuts and bolts of our, of our thing. But it, getting there is where we kind of were fighting because, you know, um, ladies, one of the things I understand is like women, many women, not all women, but many women, you know, they're, they dream of their wedding day. And so when the day comes, you know, they want what was in their dream. And the reality is, is that in a lot of cases, you can't really do that. There's a lot of statistics going out that the more you spend on the wedding or the further you go into debt, um, there's a correlation between that and the likelihood your marriage will actually survive. Yep. Whereas those who actually had a wedding that lived within their means um, have a higher chance of of uh, success. And so there, it's enough to note and feel free, go on the internet and, you know, look up the stats. You, you know, they change probably every year. Um, so, you know, I, I knew that at the time and I wanted to not enter into our marriage with a bunch of debt. But at the same time, I wanted to get there. I wanted her to be able to enjoy her day. And it broke my heart that we weren't able to give her exactly what she wanted. But um, I had an expectation of, you know, it's a wedding day. It's just about us. You know, it's just as long as she shows up and I show up and we can have a little cake afterwards, we're good, you know. Right. But, I, you know, getting there, um, you know, it took some struggle. Uh, one of the areas that I thought was kind of funny, she had in her mind this uh, color <laughs> this blue color. It's I guess it's called a peacock blue. Peacock blue, yeah. Yeah, it's called peacock blue, but it didn't look like a peacock uh, colors. And I remember sitting there literally with a color spectrum in the spectrum of blue, clicking it one at a time in the shade going, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And the entire time she was just like, no. It's a little or, bit more close. blue. Yeah. It's close. No, it's a little I, darker. It's a little too- lighter. And I swear I was like... This color does not exist in our reality. <laughs> it is not in our universe. I don't know where you're seeing it, but to be fair, I was actually ahead of my time because the next year, and I'm not exaggerating that, the next year there was peacock blue everywhere. And so that was really frustrating when I was a year it. into it. Yeah. She did find it for her flowers. She actually found yes. the she goes she showed it to me. She goes, "I found it. I found it." And I was like, Oh my God, it does exist. <laughs> it really does exist. So, you know, it was those, con- you know, communicating there because in my mind, I was more of the mindset of live within your means. Mm-hmm. And she was of the mindset of 
but this is what is expected at weddings. This is what you're supposed to do. Why, you know, why get married? And, and this was the only time I was going to do it. So it needed to be special. Yeah. That's how I saw that. Which was, and so trying to bring those two concepts together was a challenge. And I'll be honest, ladies, I didn't handle it right. And I'll be honest, gentlemen, I didn't handle it right. Because, you know, sometimes we want to be right so bad that we forget that we're seeking to have a relationship. You know, one of the things that, you know, when we counsel people is I, I, I always ask one or the other uh, when there's an issue. And they're like, no, this is the right way. Why won't he or she listen to reason? And I ask a question. I go, do you want to be right or do you want to have a relationship? And at the time, I did not have that concept down. (laughs) I had to be right. That color didn't exist. We can't afford it. We, you know, um, we're in a situation that dictates only a certain pathway. And I never once thought of saying, hey, maybe I should shut up and just listen and work the problem together instead of saying, your expectations are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Move on. I would be, I'll I'll say it, I was right. I mean, she even says some of these things she's kind of saying now, she wasn't saying back then, you know. So, yeah, I was right, but I wasn't helping our relationship at all, which made our engagement, as she said, something full of turmoil. And and it was only has to do with the wedding. I mean, everything else, if we weren't talking about the wedding, it was a fun engagement. The moment it was wedding time, you know, wedding planning, it was... It, it was a battle of the roses. Well, I even remember when you were asking if we should just elope because we were having so many family dynamics and stuff. And if I hadn't had it in my head I and I think back on it, I probably would have eloped. So you brought up family dynamics a couple of times and it almost caused us to elope. Yeah. So let's talk about what were those family dynamics. Let's start with your dad. Well, my dad and I weren't talking um and my siblings were quite a bit younger, um, and so he wasn't basically wasn't paying child support, and I really um, felt that he needed to, um, so that my siblings were taken care of. There were a lot of times that my grandmother was paying for food because he wouldn't; he was back behind on child support. Um, there were times that that my husband and I, husband, bef- yeah, my boyfriend, whatever, um, me, yes, Joseph and I um, ended up paying and getting them food because my mom didn't have the means to do it. And so I was really frustrated with that. And I had basically told him like, I would love for you to walk me on the aisle, but I need you to step up and actually be a father. And, um, I was going to have that talk with him, but I just, couldn't do it. And so Jay stepped in and actually had that talk with him. And this was really upsetting because, you know, I, I, I admit, I think I had a reasonable expectation where if I was a father, I think it, it it's as much as we joke about it as fathers, I think it would have been a step of a blessing, a, an, an interesting, you know, milestone to have that gentleman who was going to come marry my daughter to ask for my blessing. And I would have loved nothing more than to have a father-in-law that I would have wanted to impress. And I wanted to go and say, hey, I want to marry your daughter and have and, you know, ask for that blessing that did I earn the spot to be able to replace you. The reality is, is I already replaced him. Mm-hmm. I already, not as a father, but I already replaced him as a man in uh, not just his daughter's life that I was marrying, but... Even in even in his other kids, siblings, yeah, you know, uh, which caused this weird family dynamic where there was even times I had to even call him out on stuff that he was stuff he was doing by using them as pawns. And so this meeting that should have been something full of joy of saying, you know, may I have your daughter's hand in marriage, turned into more of me drawing the line and saying. I'm going to marry your daughter, whether I have your blessing or not, and you are not walking her down the aisle. Now, Lisa had a lot of uh, struggle in in making that decision, and so I just felt that it was important to me to go ahead and step into that role of being her protector. Um, and that was after him basically not doing what I asked him to do, which was to take care of his other kids. Um and so, and I, I even was so, to be honest, even so, um, 
even so desperate for money that I actually called him one time and asked him if he could help. And his answer was, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, I'll, I'll think about it or I'll talk about it, you know? And so that was really hurtful because I actually got vulnerable and actually was like, I really need help. And again, he was, it wasn't, yes, let me help you. And she even did that without my knowledge. Cause right. I would not have wanted her to ask him, Right. you know, so it, so it was a really sad meeting because, you know, I could see he was disappointed, but at the same time I was angry with him. Um, and, and I was, I wasn't a- just angry with him for what he was doing to his family. I was also angry with him because I felt cheated that, there's not, there's no in-law for me to impress. If right. anything, I am rescuing this girl, not here to ask if I was good enough. And, you know, so that, that was a, that, that was a huge dynamic because in my family, you know, despite my family's issues, cause no family's perfect. They accepted Lisa. My dad saw her as a daughter. My mom saw her as a daughter. If anything, my mom actually would defend Lisa before she would defend me. You know, so if I wasn't acting right, my mom would smack me above a side of my head and say, you treat your, you know, your, your, your future wife right. And uh, uh, my dad would just dote on Lisa and, you know, uh, you know, uh, spoil us with dinner and this and that. And so, you know, my family was very uh, accepting of Lisa, mm-hmm. whereas on the opposite side, I either had to lead, I had to clean up the mess or I had to draw the line in the sand. And we did tell him, you're welcome to come to the wedding. Yes, we did. But you're not going to be walking her down the aisle. I ended up um, choosing my uncle because he was honestly more of a father in my um, later teen years than my dad was. And um, it was true. Or later 20, I guess early 20s. Yeah. Yeah, her uncle definitely stepped in that role. I mean, it was him who took me out with the family diamonds to go pick the ring. Mm-hmm. And then he took me to a, a cigar shop afterwards and was like, this is my future, you know, nephew-in-law. You know, he was like, you know, so I, I got, I guess not thinking back on it, I got to replace the blessing that way. Right. But it was. Uh, yeah, my, um, my uncle replaced him in both settings, if you think about it. Yeah, he did, which I would always be grateful for him mm-hmm. for uh, that now that I'm thinking of it. But. You know, with that family dynamics, it, it's a sad thing when a when a spouse has to go to the other family member and draw the line. You know, on some level, that is a healthy thing because, you know, the hard part about getting married is you're you know even if you have a great relationship with your parents, they become secondary to your spouse. You know, um, yes. if, if your if your marriage is going to work, it, that is the pecking order, and it really does have to be that way. Um, not to say that parents aren't important or parents don't have a place of honor or parents don't have a, uh, uh, a right to speak into your lives. But when it comes down to who, who is going to be primary, it's going to be your spouse, your wife or your husband. And to have to draw that really early, because I, I even had to say to him, I go, you know, Lisa's now part of my side of the family and we do things different. And so you will stop certain things. And uh, it's kind of been that line ever since. So that was one family dynamic. Um, other family dynamics was our own families were going through their own garbage, mm-hmm. which affected us. And I remember at one point um, my mom refusing, saying that if my dad was coming, she wasn't. And that was really hard for me. And I remember your mom actually supporting me through that and helping me through that and walking through that. Mm -hmm. And my mom ended up, obviously, you know, I feel like when she's angry, she just says things, but she ended up coming and actually really helping, um, monetarily with the wedding, um, which I'll always be grateful for. I think in my family, my, my parents all as sporting as they were, they were also like, we're not walking down together. Right. You know, I think that if I remember correctly, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm sure I'll hear about it from my mom when she hears this. Um, but it's understandable. They mm-hmm. were going through a divorce. It was kind of still fresh on the mind, and there was there's a whole issues in that. Um, but I would have to say, with my parents, they did know how to put aside their own personal crap to come together for their kids. Yes, they did. They always did that, you know, even when they were divorced. But those were some of the dynamics we have to go through, you know. Um, 
and that was probably the most that was mo that was the roughest one. Now, in between all this, you know, to shift gears a little bit from family dynamics, uh, we did have premarital counseling mm -hmm. uh, through our pastor, uh, who's a dear friend of mine. Um, he took us through, you know, uh, basic premarital, um, you know, about budget, about communication, about, um, you know, working together. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the funnest things that he did was he had us build a tower and he filmed us. Yep. And, I remember and, that. So we had to build a tower, and the whole idea was, can we actually work together? Now, I don't know if it's because we knew the camera was on us, but we did pretty good. We actually had fun with that. Yeah, I think we did. I'm trying to remember if we mm -hmm. got into it a little bit. I can't remember. Now, he didn't really provide, like, really intense premarital. Mm -hmm. um, not the type that we, we uh, uh, provide or service of. But it's also because he knew he was going to be like, I'm going to be with you guys every step of the way for the next you know years to come and now it's going on 15 years in our marriage over 22 just even in, in my lifetime and uh um so he kind of figured that he goes well when problems come i'll just walk you through it right you know, when the bridge comes um which has been good and it's been a blessing for us but if uh he wasn't that person then you know i think there would have been some issues that we would have needed to discuss in premarital right at least if looking back on it, you know, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and, you know, armchair coaching on Monday mornings, you know, is always unfair for the, uh, you know, the time at the game, you know, to use a football reference. But, you know, looking back on it, what would be some premaritable stuff that you wish you did have, you know, that we were, Honest and this is not a critique of our pastor, this is just in general. Yeah, I think honestly walking through the issues we were having with, I mean, we talked about budget in premarital, but I don't know if we really talked about like the wedding budget. And I think that that's one thing that I think couples need to have a conversation before they ever really get engaged so that they don't have that expectation or that surprise of, oh, we really don't have the money or do we have people that can help us with the money. Um, because I think that that would have probably saved us a lot of miscommunication and fights in our engagement. Um, trying to think of other, Oh, I'm sorry. What was the question again? Give me the question. You know, looking back on it, you know, just what you know, other premarital Yeah, premarital. I think for me, it would have been, um, how did more on family dynamics? How do you deal with family members that you just, don't get along with, you don't agree with, or you need to put up some healthy boundaries for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, against, you know, how do you do that? Right. You know, whether they're in your family or your soon to be in-laws. Right. Um, I think also, cause I think that couples that are engaged also already have that in their head, like, oh, we're going to be engaged. So I'm going into more of the, the physicality of things. Um, but you don't know that for sure. You're, you haven't said I do yet. So you really don't know if you're going to end up or not. So you have to be careful about that. I know that that was something that I committed to myself, to God, um, and to my future husband that I was going to abstain before we got married. And so to do that, we had to put up some pretty serious boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, you know, people listening, don't, don't, don't think that we were this, these prudish couple. No, no, no. We pushed the line which will probably be a different podcast on a different day. But we knew since, hey, we're getting married, if we wanted to actually have our wedding night as special, and that was a personal choice that her and I made, um, both just for ourselves and to honor God, uh, we knew we had to put up some boundaries. And so uh, let's just say we had some pretty good chemistry physically. Yes, we did. Um, so we we determined in our uh, – um, um, Engagement. Engagement that we can't be alone in a room, locked room for too long. And I think that, yeah, we we had put that boundary up that we couldn't be alone. I think, I think a month or two before we got married, we actually stopped kissing. Yeah. Because we just knew that if we, if we allowed 
the mm-hmm. opportunity that we may mess up. <laughs> so we we actually chose to stop kissing also so that it was special on the day of, you know, when you haven't kissed someone for a month or two, it's special when you kiss them. So so that way our, our next kiss would, would have been as man and wife. As man and wife, right. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. It was it was both practical and it was both uh, uh, romantic, you know, yeah. it was practical and romantic. And so that's what we, we did. And it was not easy, gentlemen. I mean, it basically out of sight, out of mind. Um, did a lot more workouts during that time. <laughs> Got really back into bodybuilding again. Um, I was uh, so involved with the wedding that that's kind of what occupied my mind when I was... Uh, struggling. <laughs> so when it comes to premarital, just to kind of loop back around, you know, you kind of looked back and wish got a little bit more of the communication piece and, you know, not, not, not the, oh, this is sex, but more of, hey, this is how you navigate, you know, yeah. physicality, you know, from point A and, to point B. And, and some, then for me, it was family dynamics. Right. Sorry. And something that I have advised other couples learning from that of how to abstain because some have come to me and said we're engaged now and we're struggling well these are the these are the things you need to do so that you don't go there and i know that's not for everyone but i gotta tell you when you do it does make things a lot more sweet it it does make Mm -hmm. the physicality when you do get when you when you get to get there again so much more uh powerful intense both emotionally physically sexually it it does increase it because if you're just having sex all the way up to your wedding day then it's just kind of like you know time to make the donuts again you know (laughs) um you know it's not as special believe it or not so you know you know and this is no judgment on any of you couples out there but i would encourage you if you're looking at getting married wherever you believe on the sexual terms i would suggest that pull back pull back a little bit if you're Christian, you know, do it to honor God. If you're not a person of faith, um, uh, do it to make that time um, something special for on your actual wedding day. And uh, I would really encourage you to do that. You will see what I'm talking about there. And it will also help you understand is like, is your relationship just all about sex or is there more to it? You know, because a strong relationship should be able to survive without sex. Yes. You know, and physicality. And if it can, then you know you're, you know... You, you're where you need to be. Um, but this is in the area of premarital. And that's that's why we're trying to get, we want to give this services. We want to be able to walk through couples of all walks of life, of all uh, different faiths, to be able to um, navigate premarital. Because it will definitely help you in your marriage. And I got to tell you, one of the things I want to bring out too is... You know, I would encourage you to ask questions because I know that if I asked our, uh, my pastor who did our premarital, some of these questions that we brought up about, you know, well, I wish I got this type of premarital. If I said to him, hey, I'm struggling with this, he would have sat down and talked with me for hours to help figure this out. I didn't ask those questions. So, you know, um, to, to get answers to what you're feeling and what you're thinking during premarital, you got to ask the question. And I, if I could go back to, um, I wish I asked more questions. I wish I asked more questions of those who have had successful marriages. And I think they, and I know they would have given their time and energy to really walk us through that. And if those of you guys who are listening right now, I encourage you get into premarital uh, counseling, even if it's nothing more than just a checklist of saying, okay, we are on the right path. And to be able to flesh out any potential problems that may come and it uh, it's better that you deal with those in premarital than to deal with it in your first or second year of marriage um preparation does definitely will help commitment um i think an enemy of commitment is the unknown and again we'll probably flush that out more on a uh a separate podcast all right, let's forget the wedding day for a moment here. Let's let's talk about the bachelorette and the bachelor party. I think that's a fun part of the story here. So tell us about your bachelorette party. So bachelorette party, um, I believe we went out and had dinner. And then I wanted to go clubbing because that's something I always love doing. And so we went to a club and somehow my sister was only like 15 or 16 and she ended up being able to get in. I'm not sure how that happened, but she ended up 
getting in. She does. She did look a lot older when she was a little bit younger. Not anymore. I promise. <laughs> she looks a lot younger now. Yes. Yes. She looks a lot younger now. Um, but we ended up going to the club and just having a good time. And I was dancing and whatnot. And all of a sudden, I find out that this guy that's kind of hanging around finds out that I'm at my bachelorette party and tells one of my friends that he's a stripper. And I'm like, I don't want any strippers. I've told you guys before, I don't want any strippers. And he somehow manipulates it to where he ends up dancing and gets a chair and then gives me a lap dance, which I wasn't asking for. He like flips me around, he gets all crazy. And I was just like, I was so mad because I thought my friends had put him up to it. And they're like, we swear we didn't do it. We didn't do it. And I'm like, I, you better not have. So I ended up getting a stripper and a lap dance when I didn't even want one. No, you My didn't luck. go full Monty or anything like no, that. No, no, no. He, he just... didn't get crazy. But he, I mean, he was like he giving me a lap dance and I didn't even want it because that's just not who I am. Um, and yeah, he just, it was just, it was really funny that I ended up having a stripper at my bachelorette party when I wasn't even asking for one. <laughs> so You know, what's funny about that is that like the very next morning, because my mom was actually at your bachelorette party. Mm -hmm. My mom calls me and she goes, I need to talk to you about your, your uh, wife's uh, um, soon to be what your bride's um, bachelorette party. I already knew what happened. But I wasn't sure what my mom was about to say. I can't remember. Did I tell you about it? You told me about okay. it. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, probably because I was as, devastated. Like, well, as much as we world. were struggling with communication in some areas, we were really good and understanding in other areas. And I remember we laughed about it on the phone. But my mom, she calls me, and I didn't know what to expect out of her. I didn't know if my mom was going to say that was inappropriate or you know whatever. And my mom defended Lisa. That's what was hilarious. She goes. I want to tell you, your wife was, your bride was very good. Her friends or her mother put her up, put this guy up to it. And Lisa was very much like, no, 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 no. You would have been very proud. So you don't give her crap if you find out about this. I'm like, okay. Yes, mom. <laughs> you know, you got to understand my mom is a really awesome lady, but she was always a very proper about, you know, how a person was supposed to uh, uh, live their life. And, uh, um, but to have her basically chew me out saying not to give Lisa crap because she, you know, she was being a good girl. Um, <laughs> it was kind of funny to me. So, uh, you know, so my wife, you know, my, my wife had a lot of people who were in her corner and that was her uh, bachelorette party. They had some fun. My bachelor party, uh, you know, was, wasn't your traditional one. You know, I didn't get to have the stripper at mine, you know, um, you know, not even a little person stripper. That would have been awesome. Um, <laughs> But uh, it was just a fun time with the guys. We, I think we uh, we went we went to a steakhouse, and then we uh, went go kart racing, and uh, then we ended up at we ended up at a pub. And uh, yes, yes, people, it's okay for Christians to drink. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, you know. Remember, Jesus's first miracle was turning water into wine, and it was the legitimate stuff. Any idiot who tells you otherwise doesn't know history. But I digress. So we're at this place and, you know, they're, uh, the, you know, we're enjoying it. They're telling me about those who were married, were giving me advice on marriage. And, uh, I remember one of the guys, the same friend who actually talked me back into, uh, you know, Dayton Lisa, you know, who was at that club that night, you know, he brings me this thing that was called a screaming Nazi to this day. I don't know what was in it. It was like four German liquors. I took a shot of that. And at that moment I was like, I'm done. And so this is the night before our, uh, our wedding, our wedding day, because that's when my brothers were in town. Right. And so, um, you know, um, that night I called Lisa and I'm drinking chicken soup and menudo. I wasn't even <laughs> drunk, but I was so worried that I was going to have a hangover that, uh, um, that I was, I, I drank chicken soup and then I went out and found menudo and drank that down. Did and, you? I was yeah. to, I didn't even remember that. Yeah. That and I called my wife, told her about the night and we had a good laugh. And so, you know, you know. I told you I was going to kill you if you had a hangover. The, yeah. She told me I'm going to kill you. Wedding, I, had, I think that's why I wedding. went out. I'm like, oh, I better go get menudo just to be yeah. safe. Next morning I was fine. But, you know, you know, why are we telling you guys this is like, look, I remember my bachelor party. My wife remembers her bachelorette party. And yes, although it might have pushed a, a envelope here or there, you know, we walked away with some really great memories with family, with friends and, you know, and stories we were able to tell today. So I encourage you guys, you know, 
if you're going to have a bachelor party or a bachelorette party, make sure you remember it and it's something memorable. So now let's go ahead and get to the wedding day. The next morning I wake up, I'm with my brothers, I'm with my, you know, my groomsmen, we're getting our tux, we're getting ready. Um, being the groom, that was pretty much it. I grabbed my tux, we went and had breakfast and we basically sat at the hotel until it was time. What was your day like? Um, I got up, went right to the uh, hairdresser slash makeup artist. They got me all dolled up, made me beautiful. They did a really good job. Well, you're already it. beautiful. They well, just I know, but added some icing on the cake. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, and then we, but I remember us running late, like super late. Like, and I think a lot of my bridesmaids actually were running late. And you were so, late and your bridesmaids were late? That is so uncharacteristic. Hilarious. Um, I actually think I was there on time and it was my bridesmaids <laughs> that were late. I remember that and getting like upset. Like, where are they? Yeah. Um, that's the herd for you. Yeah. It wasn't the herd that was with me. Um, as you want to call it. Um, but I, we ended up getting ready, getting dressed, and then went to the, um, church. And I think we, I think we did run a little bit late starting the wedding. I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah, we were a little bit late for a variety of reasons, but our guests were late too. Yeah. You know, you got to remember I'm from a multicultural church, so we have Anglos, we got Latinos. And so, yeah. Yep, that's right. So we had a, we had a good amount of people there, and um, ended up walking down the aisle with my uncle. And I don't know what was your perspective on that. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything up to that point, what I thought was really cool, and it was supposed to be a surprise. So we're standing out down in the front, waiting for my bride, you know, the you know the bridesmaids to get ready. And all of a sudden, I hear this, <laughs> and I was like, "What is that? Bagpipes?" My wife, as a gift for me, got a bagpipe. You know, got bagpipes and this guy had to play bagpipes, but he was warming up in the back. So he, so the cat was <laughs> so out of the he, bag. So he ruined the surprise. He ruined the surprise, <laughs> but it was still pretty awesome. My wife, you know, had bagpipes at, at the wedding. I'm not even Scottish. I just love that Celtic, you know, yeah, regional that's... stuff, um, you know. And I, I ran into him at a, I think it was a wedding, um, a wedding expo. And that was like, I just got this idea in my head that that would be a really cool thing for him as a wedding gift on the wedding day. And I remember after they played, the wedding party was coming down and I just wanted to get a look at you. So I was like moving, bobbing my head, jumping up and down. Lewis goes, he goes, stop jumping. You know, our pastor was like, stop jumping. And um, I just remember that when they reopened the door, you know, there, there was my bride and uh, you held it together. You weren't really crying. Which was good. I think mm-hmm. you start, you know, um, you know, uh, we had our ceremony. We said our vows. We said our I do's. And we committed to each other the rest of our lives. And here we are 15 years later. Yeah. We uh, celebrated our 15th anniversary last May. And we also got married on Mother's Day. So it was kind of a little gift to our moms, too. Mm-hmm. It was also nice for me because then, um, you know... Uh, Mother's Day was the same. Was oh, my anniversary is right around this date. So you know, it, well, that and your birthday was the week after. Yep. So that worked out nicely. So we had. Uh, um, it was such a great day, and then what was funny about that day is everybody headed over to the hotel, hotel. Mm-hmm. and we had a few pictures where we had to sign, you know, the uh, marriage license and take a few pictures, and then everyone left, and they left the bride and groom. That's right. I forgot. The about bridesmaids that. and the groomsmen all took off and they left us. And my mom, who happened to have to come back to get uh, something she forgot, she goes, Wait, no one's picking you up? We're like, Yeah. So she took us That's right. to the hotel. I totally forgot uh, for about that. Our, uh, well, we were doing pictures too. Yeah, for our, to finish off our pictures and have our reception. Mm-hmm. Our reception was great. What are some of the things you remember about our reception, Lise? Um,. Well, I, I remember our dance because our dance was just hilarious. Oh, our first dance was awesome. Tell them, you know. So we, we had a th- three songs that we kind of could relate to in our dating life. And so um, one was, uh, was it Smash Mouth, um, I'm a Believer? Um, that was one that 
when we were dating, he started singing that and saying he he loved that song. And I remember us talking well, about that. Well, it started out with Elvis's I yeah. Can't Help Fall in Love With You. Yes. And then it merged That into, was kind of our song. That's the song we had kind of come up then with. Then it merged into the Smash Mouth song, right. I'm a Believer. Right. And then it got to be Baby Got Back. <laughs> yeah. Our first song ended up with us twerking before twerking was cool. We like headed that up first. So... Um, that was, a uh, that was our way to, everyone had a great laugh on that. Um, our, when we were introduced, it was funny because everybody ate already. Mm-hmm. And so we were about to eat. And as soon as they introduced us, then all of a sudden our table got swamped. We didn't even eat that yep. night. Nope. We didn't. And then, um, so much so that we, in our car at the, after the wedding <laughs> made, cause my mom had splurged for a Cadillac for us to go, um, around if we wanted to, after the wedding, after we um, you know, did the whole reception thing, and we ended up <laughs> pulling into a drive-through and getting some fries because we hadn't eaten all night. <laughs> yeah, that was cut. That was that was really that was really cool. Um, we had a great great reception. People danced the night away. Mm-hmm. We had our mom and mom and son dance. Yep. I think you danced with Chip. I did. Mm-hmm. You danced with your uncle and. Um, it was beautiful. It was you're a beautiful bride, and we had a lot of fun with friends. Leaving was funny because in my family, there's actually a tradition where you crash the wedding suite. And so oh, what yes. we did is that we actually, which I was not aware of. Yeah, I didn't want to tell my bride this, <laughs> but I'm like, it's very possible I'm gonna have some cousins show up to our wedding suite. <laughs> so we had a decoy hotel room down, you know, in, in 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 Scottsdale. And what we did is when we left on the Cadillac, we went and got fries, and then we came back to the hotel and we came in through the kitchen. Yeah, we snuck in. We I remember. snuck in through the kitchen and then went up to our our room, and uh, you know. Had a honeymoon suite. Had a honeymoon suite. and Had left champagne and chocolate-covered strawberries there for us, which was yeah. really nice. And, uh, you know, don't worry. We're not going to go into any other details. That might be for a future podcast, you know, on sex and marriage. But um, but it was really sweet. It was, a, it was a beautiful night, and it was a beautiful uh, um, engagement, despite our, our challenges. I don't think I would have wanted anything different. You know, I think, you know, folks, you know... As much as, you know, we were saying that it was engagements were full of turmoil and stuff like that, easy does not create strong people. Easy does not create strong relationships. When you have to struggle and when you have to go through hard times, it creates strong people, you know. Creates a strong relationship. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was going to get at, babe, is our relationship became stronger because we faced the challenges together. And we didn't give up. You know, love takes work. And I really encourage you guys to check out our podcast about love takes work. Because we wouldn't have made it 15 years if it wasn't for the fact that we understood, that both of us understand that love takes work. Because it's not always going to be sunshine and roses. And it is, it, sometimes it's going to be hard. And you're going to want to give up. But if you stick it through, you have something really special at the end of it. If you keep going for the easy way or you keep bailing every time something gets hard, you're you're never going to know contentment. You're never going to know peace. And you're never going to know what it's like to have someone who really will stick by your side between thick and thin. My wife has stuck by my side and I have not made it easy for her. But I am grateful that she is the type of woman that will face the hard things. And I love her for it. And I think that when I think back on it, I don't know if I would have been willing to stick through the hard times if I hadn't, as I had mentioned in one of the other podcasts about becoming the person that I would want someone to want. So I, to basically be the person, um, be the best wife I could be, be the best spouse I could be, um, because I worked on myself during that time, I think that that really helped me. It also helped me because Jay was also a good influence on me in how to persevere through things. And um, something that I did learn during our dating life was to persevere um, more than before. And so I think that that also helped me to kind of make sure I stuck through everything. We're still learning from each other. 
we haven't figured everything out yet and there's still much more for both of us to learn but I want to encourage you guys love is an amazing feeling and it is it is what makes life worth living but the feeling doesn't always last and we have to make a conscious decision to stick it out Thank you, folks, for listening to our love story. We hope that you were able to find some encouragement through it, maybe some perspective. Uh, and we encourage you, both me and my wife encourage you, get premarital counseling if you're looking at getting married. Um, it will so help your marriage to become so much sweeter, so much more equipped to deal with whatever challenges come into your marriage. And uh, whether it is with us, with Heart and Mind Premarital, or it's with a local uh, pastor or a local counselor. Um, get premarital counseling and gentlemen, don't be too prideful to think that you don't need it. All right. Uh, set aside your ego and set aside your machismo and get in there and work and, and do the work. And ladies, um, you know, I'm going to let you comment on that. I'm not going to tell a lady what to do. <laughs> you know, what would you advise ladies on how to approach premarital? Just it, it, I definitely think it's something that's important. Um, because, there may be some expectations or some uh, thoughts in your head that you haven't shared with your um, soon-to-be spouse. And it's stuff that needs to be fleshed out. And um, and I think that someone being a third party to kind of help you work through that would be really good. Um, because you never know what uh, thoughts or um, feelings or expectations that you're... Um, your fiance might be having. And so when you do work through those things, your marriage and your, even your wedding day will be that much sweeter. All right. That's all for today. And let us remember love is not just of the heart, but also of the mind. If you enjoyed this podcast and realize that you and your future spouse could benefit from some premarital coaching, check us out on facebook.com forward slash HM Premarital or search Heart and Mind Premarital. There you will find a list of services and costs that might suit your needs. The first 30 minute session is free to ensure that we are a good fit and if we are we will continue from there. Give your marriage a fighting chance of survival and receive some premarital coaching today. Check us out on facebook.com forward slash H&M Premarital.